0: What is nothing? Now that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. that's deep bro. I am your host Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Uh, Very exciting show to get into. You know I've had guests the last uh, couple of episodes now and I it's time to return to you. It's time to get into your emails and uh, and what's going on in your life. Okay. So before that um, I got a few dates that I want to go over. I've added some stuff to my twenty. 18 calendar uh which is very exciting, very amazed first of all 2017 one last date i'm doing houston texas at the come and take it comedy festival november 18th that's one show one night only and then 2018 we're jamming on the one jamming jamming on the one that's a reference for those of us who grew up in the 80s if you ever watch the cosby show you will know that reference Mm -hmm. Uh, January 12th, Pasadena at the Ice House. February 2nd and 3rd, Shart Lake City, Salt Lake City, Utah, Wise Guys Comedy Club. And then March 30th through 31st, Portland. That's right. I'm returning to Portland, Oregon. I'm going to Helium again. And it was bananas. Excuse me. The last time I went, to Portland, it was so awesome. Um, it was a, it was a wacky, crazy, sold out night. So I have a feeling Portland's going to be even better this time around. So get your tickets now because uh, you know they do move. They're moving. Everything's going. I Everything. Mean, show business. Show business. Show business. What else do I got? Christina P online. That's where you're going to be getting your ticket links. Christina P online. I'm on the Instagram at the Christina P right something like that. It's always fucking Christina P. Same on Twitter. Okay. Also, oh, that reminds me, I have some wonderful, um, t-shirts for sale in my store. If you go to Chris, uh, Christina P online, click on the store page. I've got, uh, <laughs> based on my hour on Netflix, I've got a blessing in the skies shirt for the grammar Nazis out there. Uh, I've got a mama wolf shirt for the moms out there. And then I've also got fully vaccinated for those of you that are pro vaccines. Maybe you don't want polio for your children. Maybe you don't believe in whooping cough. So those shirts make fantastic Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever gifts. Um, and you know, that season is upon us. So get your, get your life. Oh, I also have that shirt. That's the pro podcast, uh, the get your life shirt. Which I've seen many of you wearing out at the shows and I absolutely love it. I love it. It's a black shirt. Black shirts are always good. You know me, I like black. Okay. Uh, let's get into it. Um, as usual I'm heavy into the nineties. So, well, what can I do? I'm stuck. I'm stuck. There's no way I'm gonna get into twenty seventeen music. Fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> Jane's Addiction, hello, favorite band. I love Jane's. I, I Come on, if you grew up in the 90s, you listened to your Jane's Addiction, you had the Pixies, Love and Rockets, whoever, whatever. It's so good. Perry Farrell is the lead singer of this band for those people who don't know Jane's Addiction. And Perry Farrell is a space alien um, from another planet who came down and graced us with his amazing voice and talent. They're an L.A. band, Jane's Addiction. Yes, thank you. And he was like, he invented, he created Lollapalooza, right? And if you listen to him talk, he's really weird. And he's like, I'm going to start a festival, man. I'm going to build it, and they're going to come, and I'm going to put together like all these different bands. And he he essentially started Lollapalooza, which is now the what's that other dog shit festival that that all the uh, good looking people go to out in Palm Springs? It turned into that. It, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Feeling what I'm talking about? Yeah like him a lot. So hi, welcome to the show. Welcome to That's Deep Bro. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you for downloading the podcast. I uh you know, I had guests on the last couple of weeks here, which I like doing cuz I think it mixes things up a bit. Um and we had some really great talks. I talked about a uh, complicated grieving last week with my go my ghost <laughs> my guest Kelly. Uh Kelly McLane, she lost her brother um, you know, suddenly, which is horrifying, and we talked about the uh, that complicated grieving shit. It's fucking terrible. Um. Anyways, I'm back, and I, you know, I was I did Mark Maron's podcast. that's going to air in November, and well, I wanted to discuss this idea with with you, um, because in the middle of the interview, you know, Maron, you talk about your family life, you talk about your comedy career, you talk about you know everything, and then in the middle of the interview. Uh, Marin goes, "You know Christina. um I was talking to my friend Da da da, and he says that there's a difference between relief and joy right? And I was like, Wait, I've never heard that expressed um exactly in that manner, but God if I don't understand that idea of relief versus joy' And I think um, and I would actively say I would I would really say that a lot of my existence has been spent um, in the space of relief. You know, if if that's if people have overcome a lot in their lives, a lot of trauma, a lot of st- uh, whatever, whatever it is you've gone through in your life, you know what you're you know what I'm talking about. You're living in survival mode. You're living in uh, just getting the rent paid and just just getting up and just getting by and there's no time in the day for joy. There's no space for frivolity, you know. Um oh god, I think about that a lot. It's it's so sad. And and you know I you know, I, I see joy constantly when I see my kiddo playing. That's joy. That's glee. That's freedom from from you know, from so from so many things that re- human responsibility that will later come on him, but for now, um, he lives in the realm of joy, and when I'm around him, I get to witness that and sometimes, you know, partake in it. <laughs> but, uh, but I got to thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, why, why aren't I more in joy? Because I'm out of survival mode now. I would say that I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm an adult now. I've got the, yes, I've got the mortgage and the kid, and I think I've dealt with a lot of stuff in therapy, thank God. To where I'm not in a constant state of hyper awareness, because that that's what robs you of your joy, right? Um, hyper vigilance, I believe, is the word my shrink uses when you're constantly waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I mean, my goodness, isn't that isn't that what everybody feels? <laughs> the answer is no. But I, you know, ask my husband, like you don't you don't feel that impending sense of doom? There's no sense that everything all of a sudden will become horrifically bad and that, um, you know, you you got to enjoy the impermanence. You just have to get used to impermanence. And and in some respect, yeah, you do, right? Uh, In the grand scheme of things, it's all impermanent. Everything is changing. Everything is in flux. No man steps in the same river twice. That's Parmenides, the philosopher, the Greek philosopher. Um, But in the meantime, in the meantime, I... I think that I'm, I'm going to actively work on this idea of experiencing joy and not the manufactured kind, like not the kind that comes out of a bottle. We all have experienced that. Um, not the kind, uh, I don't know. Is it wrong to enjoy some of the manufactured joy? I don't, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I love Disneyland. I love, I like all that, cra- you know, silly stuff that uh, forces you to have fun. But man, yeah. Relief versus joy. God, that really got me. That really, it's been sticking to me now for like, I think I did Marin's podcast like three weeks ago. And I'm, oh man, I just keep thinking about it. Because I've had like an amazing, um, you know, last few weeks have just been bananas in terms of I've been really fortunate that, that people really like the special and, and all this great stuff is is happening, and I've, I've waited a, a while for it to kind of come together like this, and I'm really happy. I am. I'm really fucking, it's, cra- like, there are some days where I'm like, I, I can't possibly feel any happier because I think my head might explode. So I'm trying to enjoy it. I'm trying to find, uh, I'm trying to enjoy it. Isn't that sad? <laughs> How fucking ridiculous am I? I can't enjoy it. Ah, joy. Silly. What else? Uh everyone else is good. I not no no dramas, thankfully. Um You know what's another thing that can rob you of your joy, which is interesting, is feeling guilty about it. And I know that sounds counterintuitive. Why would somebody feel guilty for being uh successful or doing the thing that you you know, accomplishing stuff? Well, I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's a fear that you're going to you know, it, it, you're going to lose people. Maybe maybe I don't know. Interesting. I got to talk about that with my shrink. Okay, let's get to some uh emails. I I've been neglecting you guys in the email department, but know that I read them all. If I don't get back to you, sometimes it's because um sometimes the emails are above my pay grade and I don't feel uh i i feel too much responsibility to you to answer some kind of stupid half-assed, you know, comic fucking thing. Uh so i would rather you know you you take it to a professional cuz I, I you know i am a fucking douchebag comic. I'm not I'm not a, a therapist. I I just i just try to help people as best as like I can and I'm not qualified for it, for that deep, you know. Um Oh, but a quick side note, I wanted to, I've been doing a lot of interviews and, and, uh, the interviewers seem to want to, 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 get me to talk crap on millennials. Um, and I, and I think because, you know, in my special, I do poke fun a little bit at the millennials, but I hope it's understood that I also, I also take responsibility. My generation created the next generation, correct? Just as the boomers created me, the Gen Xers. And, uh, And I just want to put it out there for the the young people listening, the millennials listening, is that you guys are getting a a lot of bad rap and a lot of shit. I think people love to talk about how lazy you are and how uh, entitled you are and all this stuff. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You guys are the ones creating the apps. You guys are the ones... um, changing the world you guys are the ones who are creating a space of tolerance for all genders and all uh you know race um races and all kinds of things like you guys are ending slut shaming and fat shaming and all these things that have kept people miserable and ashamed of themselves for so many you know hum- since the beginning of human life so so what if you can't change your fucking tire? Because the millennial can pay someone to do it for them. And that is victory. (laughs) So you don't have to, excuse me, you don't have to be able to do everything, my loves, uh, because you guys are creating a new world. And I have faith in you guys because I've watched you, I've watched the audiences change over the years, and I've watched the millennials become the current audience. And it gives me a lot of hope uh, that you guys are going to change shit and you're going to do a good job of things. So... Uh, I just wanted to say that because I, you know, I, yes, I joke, blah, blah, blah. There's so many things I say that are fucking ridiculous. And, and if I say it on stage, it's within the context of that. So please, you know, please understand. Okay. Let's get into some emails. Um, This one is a uh, hello, main mommy, long time listener here coming at you looking for some advice. My girlfriend and I recently discovered that she is going to be preggers. Oh, is she going to me or is she... I think she might already be. Congratulations. I am super excited, but today when I got some time to myself, everything sunk in and reality hit me like a truck. All of my insecurities then flooded in. I have general anxiety and have bad PTSD flashbacks, which I've gotten better at controlling thanks to the shrink, but I don't feel that I will be good enough to raise a child. What were some initial feelings you dealt with when you were pregnant? And did you have any doubt in yourself as a parent? If so, how did you overcome it? Okay. Uh, so this comes from a gentleman a gentleman uh, named Isaac. <gasps> Let me tell you something, Isaac. Uh, the fact that you're even having these thoughts of, oh, shit, am I going to be a good parent? Am I worthy of the task at hand? Tells me that you should be a parent and that uh, good for you that you give a rip because it's the motherfuckers out there that aren't even thinking, like, hey, do you think I'll be good at this? Uh, I don't care. Pop out another one. I don't care. Who can pay for it? I don't know. When is the right time to have a kid? That one makes me bananas, okay? Because first of all, here's the right time to have a kid. When people who say that shit, when is the right time for a child? That is so lazy. And and irresponsible, (laughs) of course there's a good time to have a child. Here's when you have a child. When you got money in the bank and you don't need your millions, but you need a little bit of a cushion. You have a a nice home to bring an infant home to from the hospital, right? A a clean, safe place. A relationship that is stable and that you're not trying to fix with a child. Uh, And love in your heart and that you've worked out, you know, more or less... The pivotal issues that, if you've got the bigger issues, addictions, mental illness, all that stuff that you've resolved. Maybe you've decided not to have a kid if some of you are mentally ill. But, uh, you know what I mean? You've resolved these issues, and now you're ready. That's when you have a kid. I don't understand these idiots that are like, oh, this just happens. This shit just happened." That's so stupid. That is the laziest thing when someone says, well, this just happened. (laughs) To those people that life just happens to, I mean those are the ones who need to get their life the most, and those are the ones who seldom do unfortunately, so Isaac, uh my boo-boo congratulations, so you say my girlfriend and I recently discovered number one, get goddamn married, okay, I know that this is uh twenty seventeen and I'm not supposed to say things like that because it's uh it's not cool or whatever, but uh I would suggest that marriage with a baby is is the way to go. Just because you're a family now, you're really bonded as a unit. Um, it's just gonna make it a lot easier to get through the hard times, dude, because there are they are coming when you have a kid, especially that first year, it's no joke. And uh, and do you want to and, and also for your girl. I mean I can't I can't imagine a woman that who really on, on her core level is like, it's fine. I just Some guy just jizzed me and <laughs> making his baby, no commitment, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I, the, a few and far between is that gal who's that cool and that laid back. Like, oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, separate apartment, sure. So there is something to being traditional and and having a legally binding commitment to that other person. And it's not just that, by the way. I love marriage. I'm a huge, I'm a huge advocate of love and of a committed relationship. A lot of people see it as confinement. Um, I disagree wholeheartedly. I think if you're with the right person, um, it's actually the greatest freedom to be with somebody who uh, nurtures, supports you, and and vice versa, and you give that nurturance and love back. And what greater thing in the world? So uh, number one, let's get that out of the way, get the fucking married. So, okay, so all your insecurities flooded in. You have general anxiety and bad PTSD. Okay, so you're seeing the shrink. Great, fantastic. You've got your your support system, your mental support system in line. Uh, 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 And that's really fantastic. Okay, You, you don't feel like you're good enough to raise a child Sir, I guarantee you the fact that you even emailed me to convey that message. I, I can't agree with you. I don't. I I think you will be, I think you're going to be good at it, uh, because you give a shit. So you're asking me what my initial feelings? Okay, do you want to know? I'll tell you, ho- honest to God. And this is like, hundred oh, percent so, honest to God. When I got pregnant, I wanted to get pregnant. It was ready. We we were ready. It was time. We were we were deliberately trying to do it and it happened and I fully went into what you're describing like a fucking PTSD um like trauma thing it was really I was like whoa whoa I can't do this I can't change my mind I don't know if I can I'm not ready I'm not ready I went into that full mode of like oh I can't like I I I can't uh, who am I I can't do this I'm too screwed up or I, I don't know I'm, I'm a bad person I think my mantra was. I'm a bad person. I I'm bad. And so some reason something in me tells me I'm bad, right? And which is interesting because if you um I was talking to somebody about cognitive behavioral therapy and um this person was saying how I'm so embarrassed that I don't remember where it is. It might even be on this show. Oh, it was on the last episode, yeah. Talking to Kelly that the fundamental belief of therapy when people go into therapy is no it's not. This is my nanny, one of my Okay, anyway. I. Uh, she goes. This person's studying to be a therapist. She goes. The fundamental belief is, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. Right. And at the core of every human being, if you're honest, if you're really fucking honest, the reason we freak out is because the core belief is, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'm not capable. And and we we panic because it's it's new. It's uncharted territory for us. And maybe you came from a background where you didn't see positive things modeled. Maybe you grew up in a horribly traumatic childhood and you don't even know what what a normal family looks like. Well, what is normal? Okay, don't even fucking tell me that because there is a thing as normal. It's where mom and dad are not throwing plates of food at each other. Nobody is addicted to any sort of chemical. Uh, Your feelings are honored, nurtured, supported not, and uh, no one's gaslighting you, no one's hitting you, um, throwing you out of the house. Okay. So if all those things are not happening, I would say that's quote normal. Okay. <laughs> so if you didn't grab an environment like that, that, uh, in a healthy environment, of course you're going to panic. And, and, and that was my, first, my panic too. When I had my son is like, dude, my mother, my mother and I had, as everybody knows, my mother was mentally ill and so I grew up with a horrible template, horrible template for for what it meant to be a good mother, right? Now, did she meet all of my physical needs? Absolutely. Actually, my mother was really great at certain things like, you know, consistency. We did the same thing every day. I was on a pretty decent schedule. Um, she had meals on the table. The bills were paid. Um, she taught me to be really self-sufficient by the time I was... You know, nine years old. I was doing my own laundry. I don't. I can't even remember a time where my mother cleaned my room like that. You know, maybe I was super little, but like I was self-sufficient. By the time I was nine, I was a fucking adult. Seriously. So, I yeah. So there, there was panic in me of like, well, if I haven't seen this modeled, how am I gonna, how am I gonna do this for somebody else? Cause I don't even know what that looks like. So the challenges, my love, Isaac, my boo boo. I would look at it in a positive light, okay of like you, you know you're you're going off the template you were given is what I'm assuming here because you you're having flashbacks you're saying so my my feeling is is that y- you had a nutty child thing, you had a nutty upbringing, so the question is how do i how do I give this to somebody else when I don't even know what it looks like right, and everything on t v is fucking wrong <laughs> right I mean. Everything on TV is wrong. Everything in the magazines is a lie. Um everything is bullshit. All the models that we have, it's it's a fucking it's a it's a machine to sell you stuff, right? If you if you look to the celebrities for like guidance, raising children, the books that have been written. It, it's all it's all fucking ridiculous. It's it's not truthful. So where do you look? I mean, I would advise. Well, here sorry, l- let's go first to this level. So So here's the good news, my love, Isaac, is that because you don't have a great template, you get to invent your own. And isn't that liberating? That's the crazy part. No one tells you. Is that, so what? Okay, yeah, you didn't get it. But you know what, my love? You can create whatever you want. Did you fucking know that? Did you know that you can construct your own um, identity? You can move on from a horrible past. That's right. You may have been victimized as a child. You may have been victimized however long. But then you move forward from that, and you can choose to either remain the victim or get powerful and assume, assume a position of power and go, no, you know what? I can do this. I can be a parent. Of course I can. I can read books. I can go to therapy. I can find a therapist who's going to help me through this stuff. For instance, holidays. It's one of my favorite times of the year. And so many people hate the holidays for good reason. Because your whole life they've been terrible, right? Your whole life you've been, you've been shuttled around from house to house because your parents divorced and now they've got new wives, girlfriends, and now you got to go to this person's house and this cre- creepy uncle's doing this and then that. And then it's like, well, of course you hated the holidays. When you were a child, you had no control over how they went. Now as an adult, guess what, Isaac? You've got the power. You've got the control. So guess what? Holidays come. I love the holidays because I've controlled the environment. If I don't want to make turkey, I don't fucking eat turkey. We have steak. one 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 year, steak and, and lobster tails. Well, yeah. Yes. Yes, we did. Because I don't fucking want it. I have a Christmas tree. I put it up on Thanksgiving weekend because I like the Christmas tree up as long as I can have it. And I invite the people I want to be here. And the ones I don't, guess what? They don't get fucking invited. Then the same goes for you. You do what you're going to want to do. Do what you give this kid the life you wanted to have. I would start there. And don't, don't doubt yourself, boo-boo. You know how you're going to overcome this? is you're going to deal with the feelings of anxiety. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that they're, they're going to go away the minute the kid is born, because that's when this shit really starts. <laughs> and that's why parenting is so hard, and nobody tells you that. The reason it's so hard, it's not the day-to-day. It's not changing, diaper. oh, i got to change a diaper. I mean, that part, yeah. It's that it throws all your issues in your face. When you have a kid, you start to see all, all the shit that uh, you start to go, I, oh, I didn't get that. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Or uh, I want to do that differently. And you start to assess your personal life. And that's why it throws people into like into a crazy place, because now you're forced to look at your own stuff. And if you don't, guess what? Now you're going to pass that shit on to your kid. Thank you, mommy. Thank you, daddy. And I'm sure as a loving person, you do not want to do that. So so you're going to get your life, you're going to stay in in your shrink, and you're going to really fucking work these nine months at getting to a place where you're comfortable with the idea of being a parent because it sounds like you're already in it to win it, my man. Put a ring on that girl's finger, get into it, dive into being an adult because you're there now, and it's okay, and I know you can do it, and I know you can do it. Cause the fact that you're even asking somebody how to do it means that you're willing to get the help. You're willing to ask for the help that you need, um, and that's that's crucial. That the danger, you know what it is, man. The danger is not in in not knowing what to do in your life or not knowing how to progress. The danger comes when people are like, "I'm not going to ask for help. I got this." I don't. I'm, it's weak to go to therapy, or uh, I'm not going to ask people what they do. like. Dude, just fucking ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that's the strength You're going to do it, buddy And congratulations Isaac, you are going to do it It's going to be great It's good. That's not all great in the beginning But then it gets really good And I will tell you, by the time that kid hits 18 months And they become human And by that I mean like Oh, there's an awareness that that wasn't there Like the day before, literally they'll hit 18 months And they'll, they'll their eyes will open And they'll just be like bah, 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 bah. It's awesome it's awesome. But I think there's a reason they make parenting really crazy in the beginning. It's like boot camp. <laughs> Cause if you survive that first year and you're still married and you haven't gained five hundred pounds and you haven't lost your mind, well, great. You've earned the right to be a parent. Because it is a big responsibility. And it's a treasured it's it's a fucking it's a it's an honor to to be a parent. And it kills me that people take it so lightly. It just kills me that people treat children like pets, you know? Like, well, whatever. <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? That's a human. That is a human life. And, and I don't think people get it because they haven't been hurt by, uh, by adults, you know? Fucking unbelievable. Well, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Like, if you're not freaking out about having a kid, something's fucking wrong with you. <laughs> I mean, unless you're really healthy. Maybe healthy people don't freak out like I did. But, man, I fucking, I froke. I freaked. I f- broke out. I think especially the first few months, man, I was I was dark in it, deep in it. Just like, what? What did I do? But, you know, what happens is you get over your stuff. It's not even about that baby, you know? People are like, what are you going to do when LSDs are special when he grows up? Like, first of all, he knows I love him more than life itself, and that I would gladly take a bullet. I would take 10,000 bullets uh, to save my kid's life, and I fucking love my son way more than I love my husband. Obviously, obviously, that's how, that's the healthy progression of when you have children. You have a child and then you're like, I love you more than I love my husband. And then that's when I you cut your hair off and you wear uh, cargo pants and um, Crocs with sandals and you give yourself trench foot. And then um, that's when I put on those full cotton panties and I just let my pubes grow out, get the... uh the John and Kate, the Kate haircut, right? Spiky in the back. I like to leave the, ba- the bangs kind of long because that's a look. That's a look that says, I don't want to get laid. I'm shutting it down. Don't touch my vag. <laughs> Once the baby comes out, nobody goes back in. And that's being a mom. <laughs> okay. Mm. Oh, this is from my my buddy uh Daniel but long time uh this guy and I go way back way back on the social media together isn't that funny now in this era and I probably sound like a thousand years old but like I know people just from <laughs> fucking Twitter and Instagram like and not, like you know what I mean like there's there's a handful of people who I'm really emotionally invested in because I know them on social media why is that even happening to me like there are people there's a there's a girl on Instagram who I I love liking her photos cuz she's actively losing weight and getting her life and I'm like, "Yes. <laughs> yes, girl. Go get it. Go get your life." <laughs> like I love it. And I love that I am invested in people. I probably will I don't know if I'll ever meet some of you, but that is the sign of the times, no, that we we you're it, it's so silly cuz I, I look at like, "Oh, who's who is this person who keeps liking you know consistently in my photos and then you look you go down their rabbit hole and you're like oh this is such a this is all i have i figured out why i love instagram too much that this much it's because it like my whole life i've been sitting in traffic in LA and i will look at the car next to me and go god if only i could know what that person's life is like like just i just want to know i want to know what their dreams are what their dislikes are do they have a dog what was her childhood like? Like, I want to know so many things about strangers, and now, with social media, I can, I can know everything about strangers, and I love it. It's the reason I love reality television, and why I was on reality television, is I'm so curious about other people's lives. Like, what does does everyone feel the way I do? Does everyone feel this insecure? And I, I mean, isn't that the whole point of 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 creating anything so that, you know, other people feel less alone in the world. I don't know. That's that's my dream. Okay, anyway, back to my sweet Dan. Uh, okay, so, so a, a long time ago, Dan wrote in and he was wondering whether or not he should defer his education to go to Italy, as Top Dog says, Italy, um, for a few months. And I told him, go, go to Europe. Why not? What are you going to, what are you going to, the thing is once you start to delve into adult life, once you graduate from college and now you're on the career track and you're, you know, chasing the dreams and all that, it gets harder to take time out to go see things, to see the world, to be young and be silly. And that's why so many of us podcasters are telling younger people like, hey, don't, Don't get fucking married at 20 and don't get a mortgage at 20 and don't have children yet. It's not that you can't find your soulmate at 20 and do those things with a soulmate. Maybe you can travel with your soulmate at 20. It's just that generally most of us are not that evolved to find a, a decent life partner that young in life. You're just not generally mature enough. Now, are there exceptions to the rule? Yes. I am friends with people that have been together since they were 15 fucking years old and now are my age. Excuse me, and are so in love and have a family and everything is peachy. So, you know, there are exceptions to every rule. But in general, you know, take your time with that shit. So Dan ended up going to Italy and he and I kept in touch on the Instagrams and I got to see beautiful photos of him uh, and the places he went and it was awesome. So he writes, so I did the Europe thing as discussed in previous podcasts and have been back in Montana, I'm sorry, Montana for a bit and found myself a career opportunity out of the blue. Fantastic. I had originally went to college to become a radio broadcaster, a shock jock if you will. <laughs> but this has been and will always and will likely always be a passion of mine going back to being on college radio at 11 years old. So I spent a week out in New York to enjoy a comedy festival, saw Burnt, and he looked fat, absolutely. Also met up with a really lovely woman who I came to know know her through being a fan of her ex-husband. Maybe, oh, god damn it. And then he writes in parentheses, leave this part out. Okay, I'm not going to say what a fucking comic is. Jesus Christ. So during this festival, I accepted the job at a radio station, In the small rural town I'm from, here's the kicker. I was afraid I'd fly too close to the radio sun and become disillusioned with the field. What I'm asking you is, why am I unhappy with a job I thought was ideal at 18? Do I need to get my entire life and get my ass back into therapy? Denim Dan. Okay. Mm, Here's the thing. Uh, There's this phenomenon that happens it happens in your ego. So if a human being's fundamental core thought is, I'm not good enough, I can't do it. Who am I? Do I deserve? I'm undeserving. I'm not entitled. Which is, by the way, I like that the millennials are fucking entitled. Good for you. Because my generation, we were so self-loathing. We thought that we didn't deserve shit. And, I, you know, who knows what's better for humanity. We'll find out. But the point is... Um, If your core belief is, I'm not good enough, I can't do it, I don't know, I'm scared. So what happens is the mind, when you get close to attaining your goal, so either when you're close to failure or when you're close to success, the ego will sabotage the fuck out of you, right? And we've all seen it before, haven't we not? Have we not seen the stories in the tabloids of like, the actor who has it all, but then blew it doing cocaine and, and crashed his Ferrari on the, you know, in the canyon. And you think to yourself, well, why would somebody who's got the looks, the money, the career, the cars, the girls, why would that person ruin their lives? Why would you sabotage that? Well, because if your core belief is, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve it, I can't do it, uh, blah, 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 blah. well, then the unconscious mind will fulfill that wish for you. And that's fucking science. I'm not talking about this ain't the secret. This ain't some, you know, woo woo self-help stuff. I am being, this is a hundred percent like psychology 101 crap. If your unconscious belief is I'm not good enough, I don't deserve, guess what? Your unconscious will look for things to validate that belief. And you will find yourself acting in ways to sabotage yourself just so that the ego can verify the messed up belief. Did you get your life? Did you hear that? It's crazy. And that's why, and that's why all the self-help nutbags tell you to do positive affirmations and you have to be positive all the time. That's the problem is that they're not explaining why. And first of all, it's unnatural to be positive all the time. Nobody's positive all the time. So you're saying, well, what do you mean, Christina? Does this mean that I, I have to clean up my unconscious stuff. How do I know? How do I know what my unconscious stuff is? Well, that's an exercise that you're going to have to undertake on your own. And those unconscious beliefs come out. You have to listen to the voice in your head. And that little voice comes out when you're doing stuff. Like, uh, I remember I had this thing with parallel parking. I can't do it. I pull pull the car, I go, I can't fucking do this. Oh, I can't do it. And guess what? When you tell yourself, I can't do it. Do you think you can parallel park when you tell yourself you can't? Of course not. Of course not. But then I recognize it like, oh, you're you're being shitty to yourself right now. Of course you can fucking parallel park. You can do this. Oh, oh, there's an unconscious belief that I can't parallel park. And what if I corrected that belief? What if I turned it around right now? And then you can turn it around. So the ego, um, because the ego wants to preserve its fundamental beliefs. That's the whole job of the ego. And that's why in the Buddhists and the whatever's, the, the, the idea is to eradicate that ego or to quiet it down. You're never going to eradicate, eradicate, eradicate needs, wants, desires. That's that's foolish and, and frankly, a depressing existence, okay? Nobody wants, I mean, some people do, but the average Joe does not want to be a Buddhist monk because what's the joy? You get a bowl of rice a day. Maybe you get to take a nice shit. You sleep on the floor. Maybe you make a mandala, you know, once a year with your monk buddies, but pretty much a joyless fucking existence in my opinion i don't know so the ego in order to keep itself together which is why you see the you see things like you know personality disorders and stuff because the ego is it has to preserve itself otherwise it will crumble in some cases some people are so damaged that they have to preserve whatever the nonsense in their head is so that they can stay intact as humans. They can't possibly accept the, the fact that, or the possibility that they are wrong. And that's how you have like narcissistic personality disorder and things like that. So can you believe I know all this shit now? Oh my God, how do I know? I, I mean, like this is a fucking decade of therapy talking. Fuck. Anyways, so what happens is, my loves, is that when you get closer to success or closer to failure, your ego, your ego will say nasty shit to you. I mean, nasty shit. You can't do it. You're not good enough. What if you, what what if you're not, what if you do it wrong? What if you make a bad decision? What if, what if, what if, what if? And you will talk yourself out of doing things that you know you can do and that you want to do. You really want to do because of the ego. And it happens when you're closer to success and when you're close to failure. And that is why people fucking, lose it and sabotage themselves so now that you know that my loves now that you've heard me say that because I heard Marianne Williamson say this I did not come up with this shit but it's true and and when I I remember in the months leading up to my special right I'd wanted it forever and in the months leading up to it the ego told me oh you can't do No one's gonna buy you. Who's gonna buy your special? Netflix is never gonna. Who are you? You're not, you're an unknown comedian. Nobody knows you. You're never gonna be. Oh, that's right. I had those same thoughts. And when I, and I remember going, uh oh, I know what this is because I've been here before. Uh oh, I've done it. And I've also let my ego sabotage me many, many times. Don't get me wrong. I, I've blown, um, I've, oh God. One time I, I, I did a set for like a late night. So what you do for when you audition for like late night TV spots, this used to be, I don't think it happens this way so much anymore because there's, there's fewer and fewer spots, but, um, you audition for like late night and I remember, you know, they give you your four or five minutes and I got so in my head, I got so nervous. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not funny enough. Oh, oh, oh. And of course what happened when I got up there, I blanked. I, I, my set, I did maybe three minutes instead of five, <laughs> and I blew it, and I blew it, and I blew it. Now, did I blew, blow my whole career? No, no, because no one set can make or break your career in stand-up, except the one that you're taping for your special, so you should probably fucking prepare for it, but I've seen comedians blow it big time, right? Like I just said, if you're, if you're doing something big, if you're aiming towards something big, Prepare. And don't be afraid, you know, and, I, and I've learned this lesson constantly over and over and over because I have failed so many times. I have failed so many times. And it's always because I'd listened to the voice that was telling me I'm not good enough. So the point, Dan, I'm trying to make is that so what if you become disillusioned with the radio field? Maybe it's going to take that disillusionment to go and do the thing you want to do. You've been wanting to become a broadcaster since you were 11. And now you've got the great opportunity. You've you've done it, my man. You've got the opportunity. And now your ego is telling you, well, what if I, (laughs) this is, I love when people say this. I don't want to fly too close to the radio sun and become disillusioned with the field. Okay. I mean, what are you afraid of? Losing your faith in radio? Um, No, I think the, I think the fear might be, I'm afraid of, I'm afraid I'm not good enough. And also my my sweet loves listening is that there is no right or wrong decision. Like when it comes to stuff like this, there's only lanes. There's only turns, you know? And it's like GPS, right? You, you make a right turn, you get into radio. What if you don't like it? Okay, do something else. You don't have a mortgage. You don't have children. Uh, You're relatively responsibility- free as I, cause I know you, Dan. So, uh, I mean, I don't know you, but social media, we know each other. Um, so what? Try it, try it, try everything, try everything. If you don't like it, do something else. No harm, no foul. And now you've got this cool thing on your resume and now you'll be bumped boop, boop, boop into the next thing. It's all about the, the next experience. Okay. I liked elements of this. I didn't like elements of that. What can I do in the next thing that's going to, you know, and a lot of times too, we think I want to be the radio guy, right? You think to yourself, I want to, okay. And then you, you don't realize the amount of work it takes to be the radio guy. Um, I'm not in radio. I'm a podcaster. So we're the, you know, the red haired stepchild of radio, but I listen to people on the radio. I've listened to my hero, Howard Stern. And from what it sounds like, uh, it's a lot of work to become Howard Stern. It's a lot of fucking work. And it's a lot of failure and it's a lot of pressure. And I think a lot of us want that big goal, the the glamour job. And, you know, um, we don't always realize the amount of sacrifice and the amount that it takes to become that dream, to become that person. And that's fine, by the way. And it's totally fine to tap out and go, you know what? I'm really not willing to sacrifice um, holidays with my family. I'm really not willing to fly across the country You know, 500 times a year. I'm not really willing um, to move market to market to market to build my career as a radio guy because that's not a good life for me. And that's totally fine. But I think you're definitely doing yourself a disservice if you're not trying and you're not really putting forth the effort. Because I got to tell you, is that I've watched people who are very successful in these glamour industries in the uh, you know, comedy, and yes, and radio, and I mean, fuck, radio is, that is a grind, and, and you got to be prepared to move around a lot, from what I, you know, my my friends that work in radio, I I know that you get fired, and then you got to go move to another market, and um, whatever, it's a lot, it's a lot, but go, go examine it, go explore it, there's nothing wrong, and there's no wrong answer, and there's no right or wrong, there's just doing, just fucking doing, seriously, just doing, and, and shutting up that voice in your head that tells you you're, you're bad and you're wrong and you're not good enough. That is the whole key, I think, to success in anything is like that fucking demon voice, dude, you listen to those demons and you're tapped out, you're done for. So it's up to you to create the new voice, the voice that's going to steer you out of, out of that torture of the ego because, man, and how do you get out of that? All right, I'll tell you. You're going to fucking, uh, you're going to meditate, right? You're going to, uh, you're going to see a shrink. If maybe, you know, I don't know, man. That This shrink stuff always is for people. I always say that if you're feeling like, um, wait, hold on a second. If you're feeling like you have a lot of anxiety and a lot of stuff that's constant and ongoing and and really crippling you, uh, Go see shrink go see shrink if you if you yeah of course Dan, go see shrink if you feel like you need to go go there actually, I take you yeah, there's nothing there's nothing stopping you go go, go, go to one Go. figure it out, oh, bitsy wants to go to two, okay, oh mommies, okay, let me take um well, this is kind of a longy. oh'm i sorry guys i it, it oh, 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 yeah. okay let's try this. Um, Hey bro, I've been making art for a long time, but only ever done it sparingly for myself or for my ex. Friends have always told me that I'm talented, but I never really think so. And when anyone has wanted something done, I'll always do it and just give it away as I don't really see the same value in it. Recently, I put a simple drawing online and a friend wanted to pay me to make it for her i 'm wanting to get to a place where I can do what I love to do and sell pieces without feeling insecure about what i 'm putting out. I need your help, bro, okay, yeah, so this is from uh brian um, and i 'll tell you, bro, is that every artist and i don 't i don 't I, I don't know i mean unless you 're a fucking you 're born with this great sense of entitlement and And you're born with great self-esteem However, the greatest artists, in my opinion Have no self-esteem And are the biggest self-loathers on the planet And that's why they are good at anything they do Okay, there Uh, you go Um, So good You make the qualifications for being a great artist I bet you're fucking amazing, Brian (laughs) Because I, I, I hate the comedian that's like, I'm great. I love every, I'm, I'm amazing. Oh, really? Uh, I doubt that. I, like, I love the self-loathers. I love the death cats. I love the masturbators in the dark. Those are my tribe, personally, fucking personally. So, Brian, you have a case of I'm not good enough, which is what we just talked about with Dan. But now you're talking about a different lane, which is monetizing what you do creatively. Now, Brian, I would say that, unfortunately, in the United States of America, art is not a priority. Yeah, believe it or not, um, art is seen as frivolous, unnecessary. Uh, it's marginalized. What? How are you gonna? How are you gonna make money doing that? If whenever someone says, "How are you gonna make money doing that?" <laughs> those fucking dream crushers that will always say that to you. Never listen to the spirit crushers. Don't you dare listen. And, and, and always when you're incubating an idea, keep it close to your vest. Do not share your dreams with everyone. Do not. You keep it to your vest until you've manifested some shit and then they can see what you did. So, boo-boo, how do you go? So you're asking me, you, you want to get. <laughs> So basically, you're asking me how do I how do I see value in what I do, and how do I charge people for it? So that's got to start with you. And here's the here's another artist thing. If you're an artist, and I learned this too o- over the years, is that if you're waiting, if you're waiting for the outside world to validate you and tell you that you're good at what you do, um, if you're waiting for the outside world to write you the good reviews and to tell you that you're great, good luck. Because that ain't how, I mean, not in my life. (laughs) I think how it goes is that you find the light inside of you first, right? You get your own shine and you fucking see what's good about what you're doing. Because I guarantee you, my love, I guarantee you that nobody can do things the way you do. Because that's the gift. That is the one truth And that's some shit you hear on Sesame Street. And the reason they tell kids that there is only one unique you is because it is true. It is fucking true. It is genetically impossible to be totally, even identical twins. There's some difference. You know, you can tell identical twins apart. How are you going to get there? You got to find your own light. Because when you become the light, you become the fucking beacon. When you believe in yourself, then that's when all the stuff Comes. That's when the accolades and the money and blah 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 blah. blah. But you got to get there now. How do I get there? Is what you're asking me. How do I get confidence? I don't believe it's confidence, and I was told that very early as a stand-up comedian. You know, Christina, someone said to me, "The whole secret to being a good comedian is just confidence." And there's some truth to that. That that yeah, there's confidence that you need. The truth is, it's a layer under that. It's self-love. It's self love because confidence can be manufactured. Uh, I can tell you, you know, I've seen it a million times—the arrogant, cocky comedian who goes out there loud, bra- you know, and you can tell that there's no center, right? That there's nothing really holding that persona together. That it—it's it, a—it's just like a, a manufactured sense of of confidence. So, how do you get to a place where you're ironclad and? It doesn't matter what people think of you because here's the the big thing is that when you don't give a shit, what people think about you is when everything starts. <laughs> That's Ironically, the less you give a fuck, the, the better you're going to do in everything, right? It's that zen of to care and to not care, to care and to not care. Um, how do you get there? Well, spend time with yourself. See what you're doing. Really look at what you're doing. What are you doing? Look at your drawings. Look at your... Look at your shit and go, you know what? Stop looking at the bad stuff that you're doing too, by the way. Look at the good stuff. Like, know, know your lane. Well, you know, I'm really, well, I'll tell you, I'll give you a, for instance, with me and comedy, comedy and me, is that uh, uh, I was told very early, like, you know, you're too dark. Don't you dare, you know, you're too dark. No one's going to get it. Uh, no one likes, it's just a bummer. You're kind of a bummer. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's kind of what i like about me honestly it's what i it's what i like and i can't be anyone else so find the stuff in your art in your work that is just you that is uniquely you and that it, it's your inner it's your fucking soul imprint on the world and when you find your soul imprint like that's what i do i'm i know i'm good at at speaking truth or i know that i'm good at whatever it is you're good at just know know in your heart like what you're good at and hold that inside of you when you make your art when you when you put yourself out there right I know I could fuck it I know this is what I do and the minute you can identify what you're great at just do that don't do the other shit don't do anything else just do what you're fucking good at why are you even don't worry don't worry I can't guess what I can't dance I can't sing I don't care I'm not I'm never gonna fucking do those things but i'm going to be a stand up comic and i'm going to you know i'm going to try to speak truth and, and that's my lane i know that so that's how you're going to get your confidence is you're going to know what you are good at and you're going to just do that and you're not going to fucking care what other people say and you're going to sell your paintings uh, there's an artist Nancy Noel out of Indianapolis she started making prints of her angel drawings she dro- she draws angels that's her thing, right? And um, I guess Oprah Winfrey got caught of her, got caught wind of her drawings and, you know, Oprah gave her a big boost in terms of that. But she said to me, she goes, you know what? Nobody knew who I was. Um, I just started printing, you know, um, prints of my paintings and selling them online. That's all. I just started doing that, just selling prints. And I thought, oh, that's that's not interesting that you can just start doing that. But that comes from knowing what you're good at. She knows, look, I draw angels. I just like angels. I'm not going to draw unicorns, panthers, meatballs. I'm going to draw angels. Just that. That's what I'm good at. And that's really what's going to uh, give you the, the confidence. Because once you start really believing in what you're doing, and then you become a beacon of light, and you become attractive, that's the that's the name of the game, fellas. Ladies and gentlemen, um, same goes in love. Same goes in friendship. Whatever, becoming attractive to others, not being like, <laughs> do you like me? Um, there's this great story uh, about oh fuck, is it? It's Red Fox, and uh, some young comic was opening for Red Fox, and I wish I could fucking remember. Oh, just I'm so sorry, you guys, but I'm gonna tell you the story. So this young comic. Was opening for Red Fox. For those of you who don't know who that is, get your life. Google the motherfucker. One of the funniest human beings to ever grace the planet. Um. So this young comic is all nervous and all in his head because he's opening for one of the greats, and goes on stage, and he does okay. Like he does okay. This comic does okay, and goes to meet Red Fox after and shakes his hand, and uh, Red Fox goes. You know what, you're you're funny, but you still care what they think about you. You need to not give a shit <laughs> about what they think of you. And I'm telling you, if that ain't the essence to to fucking to everything in life, that's the sentence. That's what I heard. I heard the story, and I went, uh-huh. I got it. And it's not an arrogant, I don't give a shit when anyone, it's not, it's not, you know, the real housewives. <laughs> or fucking bad girls club version of I don't give a shit what you think about me. I don't care what you think about. It's not that. It's the you know what? I know what I I know what I, I'm good at, and I also know what I'm not good at. I'm not gonna focus on what I'm not good at. I'm just gonna stay in this lane and I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best to kill this part. Really do it. And I'm gonna be a light. I'm gonna be a beacon of light, and I'm gonna give people. I'm going to share myself with the world and I'm going to share and I'm going to bring something positive to earth to help other people, you know? And I think the intent always has to be to, to give back, not to take. There's enough motherfucker takers on this selfish ass planet. There's enough takers. You be the giver. Give, give, give. Now, does that mean you give away your drawings? No, it does mean in the beginning that maybe to get your work out there, you don't charge, you know, $5,000 for the print, but you charge a rate that you think is fair in your heart. Um, Perfect example of that principle, my husband rented a Lamborghini this week as a joke to fuck with Bert Kreischer, and we both knew that a Lamborghini is ridiculous in and of itself. Who the fuck drives a Lamborghini? Some lunatic that wants to park it in front of the Beverly Hills Hotel and let everybody know, like, I'm a Lamborghini. And whoever, you know, the Sultan of Brunei. So, and we also know that that is out of our price range. You know that the Lamborghini is not. It's $350,000, $500,000 car is, is ridiculous for us. Now, for the billionaire, that makes sense. And you know how that feels internally. What you're charging people, Um, you know what your your perceived value is. Let's be real. Your real value is not quantifiable, my love. Uh, But in capitalism, I've discussed on this show, there is a thing called perceived theory of value. It is what our system is based on. Um, If we charge people for the actual value of things, you would die. I mean, it's retarded. This is ridiculous. Uh, the actual value of a candle, of wax with a wick in it that smells nice, is buck eh, ninety nine to manufacture, but you put a fancy label on it, uh, you say that the wax has some magic properties, and now it's a $40 candle. I mean, the fact that anybody fucking pays $50 for a candle is beyond me. But people do. Why? Perceived theory of value. Is it necessarily worth $50? No, but in capitalism, you have to make people believe it is. Therefore, they will pay what they believe something is worth, right? Same with art, especially in the artist's world. From what I understand, um, I'm not obviously a working artist, but I have um, friends that are. A lot of it's bullshit. Your industry, much like mine, is uh, based on perception, marketing, uh, PR. I know that fucking Jeff Koons. I mean, watch that documentary on Jeff Koons, and you will... And once you start realizing that too, my love, it's not the ones that are necessarily the best that are making the most money, right? And I see that in my business constantly. Um, You will stop taking that shit personally because I... That's another part. Is that you go? Wait a minute. I is that guy better than me? Is Jeff Koons a better artist? You know, the fucking balloon animal, the big balloon animal guy. That guy's a better artist than than me. (laughs) He must be because he's more successful. Oh bullshit! Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Now, was he great at marketing? Yep. Maybe he had a team of people helping him. Yep. Yep. Uh, maybe knew the right people, the right celebrities to vouch for him? Yeah, absolutely. Had a buzz around him? Sure. And was his work interesting and good? Yeah. Yes, I, I like the balloon animal guy. Who doesn't fucking like the gigantic balloon dog? Great. But he's not better than you. Nobody's better than you. Nobody's fucking better than you. And that's another part of the, the monetizing of your art is know that. Know that, boo-boo. So for now, charge what you know is right in your heart. Are you a Lamborghini? Probably not. I don't know where you're at. You decide where you're at. What feels comfortable? What, what feels right? Uh, for me, sitting in a Lamborghini does not feel right. <laughs> and there's a reason, because I don't have enough fucking money to buy one. And I'm not going to pretend like I'm that guy. Like, I'm, oh, yeah, I got a Lamborghini. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You're an imposter. And you should be compensated for your art. You're bringing joy. And again, it's cultural in our country that art is perceived as frivolous, as meaningless, as useless. And that is just not the case. And there was a time in human culture where it was the most important thing. And now it's not because it's not as as easily, excuse me, commodifiable, right? However, art is used constantly. Billboards, uh, Coke cans, fucking, you name it, some artist designed it. So (laughs) whatever. Uh, So there you go. And here's the good news, my artist friends out there, is that guess who buys art, Rich people, rich people that are just looking to throw money away. That's the good news. You just got to find those rich people that have thousands of dollars to spend on paintings and you will have a career. So you are actually catering, my love, to a rich demographic. Uh, You're looking for the richies, the people that go to galleries and are just looking, uh, you know, unless you want to sell your shit at Target. I don't know. I don't fucking know. But from what I understand, rich peeps paying for shit, looking for stuff, and there are plenty. Don't worry about it. All right, I hope that helps. Um, email me. That's deepro podcast at gmail. Um, dot, com, dot com. dot com. I'm so upset. I wanted Christmas lights put on my house. Um, Tom does not have the patience nor the inclination to put Christmas lights on our house, and I called these guys who do it for, you know, professionally, they want to charge me so much money. I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like that. There's no way. Again, there's it's perceived theory of value. Maybe there's some rich person out there. That's like, yeah, I'll give you thousands of dollars to put Christmas lights on my house. It, it cannot be it just if you guys know of somebody in LA that could put Christmas lights on my house for a reasonable amount of money fucking email me that's podcast at gmail.com Oh also speaking of artists I need help I need help I need somebody to design um, tour posters and specifically specifically like Instagram tour posters you know someone that can just put together something professional looking because right now I'm just using an app that looks terrible. Um, you know what I mean? Just a photograph of me and then the cities that I'm doing, but something that looks really nice. Email me. That's the at gmail.com. If you've done such a thing before, I would really appreciate it. Okay. I'm out of here. I'm going to go. I'm actually going to take the day off. Believe it or not, I'm going to rest because I have not done that in a while. I'm going to enjoy my life because, uh, I'm going to live in joy today. Not just relief as I discussed earlier. And I can't wait to be joyful. Uh, I hope you have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening to me talk. Um, come see me do a live show somewhere in the world, Portland, Salt Lake City. Uh, oh, the Ice House in Pasadena. Come see me do stand-up, listen to your mom's house. Thank you so much, and um, have, a ble- have a blessed day. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with. Yeah, it's Christina P. A.K.A. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke. Or was it Socrates, Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates, got us talking all properly, topically, just a comedian discussing these philosophies, serious questions, silly people, what's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.